Welcome to Victory Church, Winchester, Virginia's podcast, where we seek to help people find and follow Jesus. Please take a minute to subscribe. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. In your Bible today, how many of y'all ready for the Word of God today? Come on, let's get it, get it going. Um, we're going to turn in your Bible, you're going to turn into 2 Timothy, the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. And I'm going to give you two passages today, so calling on you to be a, a little advanced in your, um, in your locating these scriptures today. So 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16, and then we're going to go over to the Gospel of St. John, uh, chapter 8. We're going to begin reading at verse 31. Our notes on the Victory Church app. And you can follow along with us on the app and uh, it'd be uh, good for you to get some, uh, some notes carried on, on through there and stuff like that. So um, just check in with us, engage with us there on the Victory Church app for notes. All right. Let me read this scripture to you. To set it up, though, I want to kind of just preview this collection of teachings. 2024, as I've been praying about what God would have for us as a church as we enter into this beginning of this new year. I really like to seek God and find out what specifically that he has for us as individuals and also what he has collectively for us as a church. And this word kept on ringing through in my spirit uh, for this year coming up, and that's the word freedom, freedom. I believe that 2024 is going to be a year of freedom, but the Lord also gave me a descriptive word to describe that type of freedom that we're going to enter into this year, and it's going to be an undeniable freedom. In other words, it cannot be disputed, and it is going to be visibly evident, this freedom. And freedom can be defined as this. It can be defined as um, the right or the power or the ability to think, speak, and act without hindrance or restraint. How many of you need a little bit of freedom in your life? How many of you have some things uh, maybe in your life that you're facing, maybe a stubborn situation or a habit or a hang-on or a habit, uh, something that you've just been really wrestling with and struggling with, and no matter how much you plan, pray, or work at it, it, you just can't seem to get free from it. Let's invite the God of freedom to intervene and allow him to set us free this year. Amen. It's going to be a powerful time as we go through the next couple weeks as we're talking about what this undeniable freedom looks like. Today I want to share with you um, from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and John uh, chapter 8, verse 31. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm going to begin reading for uh, 2 Timothy. All Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God. That word inspired is the Greek word that is translated God breathed. In other words, the scripture is not the opinions of a person who's writing or the opinions of someone who lived a long time ago, but the scripture is God's very word to us that God breathed. Second Peter says that in the old days when the scriptures were being written. Holy men of God moved as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? So it says, it continues, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful. It's useful to teach us what is true and 
to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. We want people to tell us what's true so long as it doesn't tell us what's wrong in our lives. But the scripture has a different approach for my life and for your life. Perhaps if someone is telling you the truth and it may be not what you want to hear but what you need to hear, maybe it's actually for your good. This is what the scripture does. It helps us to know what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. How many of you are grateful that God just didn't leave us just confused and wondering what we should do, how we should do it, how we should go about do it? Come on, God is very clear through the scriptures, and he's given the, us the scriptures so, so we could know everything that pertains to life and godliness, is what the apostle Paul says. Now we're going to go over to the Gospel of St. John, chapter 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed in him, talking about Jesus, Jesus said this. If you hold to my teaching, maybe in your Bible it says, maybe uh, it says abide. In the New International Version, which we're reading from here, it says, if you hold to my teaching, the New Living Translation, it says, if you remain faithful to my teaching, then you are really my disciples. So the evidence of being faithful uh, or being a disciple is the evidence of being faithful to the teachings of Jesus. He says, then to these believers, right, to these Jews that believed in him, if you remain faithful to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then, watch this, then, somebody say then, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see the progression of this thought here. If you remain faithful to my teaching, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There is no freedom without the truth, and there is no truth without remaining faithful to the teachings of Jesus. See this progression of thought. And they answered him. Now, you might think it's the believing Jews, but actually, if you break this text down, he's actually talking to those that were in that group, and I would talk, uh, explain this more to you here, but there was a group of Jews that were an unbelieving Jews, the Pharisees, and they were upset with him right now, and this is what they say to him. They, those unbelieving Jews, answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. Liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> you know, the Jews were actually slaves in Egypt. The Jews were slaves to the Assyrians. The Jews were slaves to the Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks. And up to this point, they were slaves to the Romans. So they're just deceiving themselves at this point. We have never been slaves to, any, to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, very truly, I say to you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Don't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter how well you dress it up. It doesn't matter how good you hide it. 
Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So, if the son sets you free, Jesus talking about himself, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. Come to share a message with you this morning that I've entitled The Search for Freedom. Search for Freedom. Last week, Pastor Sarah shared a great word about confession. Confession is the start, right? It's the beginning point. When we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the first step to us being free, which is Jesus forgiving us of the power and the penalty of our sin and allowing us to have relationship with him whereby we have eternal life and life abundantly here and now. That's the first step. The next step is living in this spiritual reality of undeniable freedom. This is where the truth, as we remain faithful to it, as we follow it, as we search it and read it and study it and meditate on it and apply it to our life, this is the process of freedom. This is the search for freedom that I want to talk to you about today, for there truly can be no freedom without the truth of God's word. And so I want to share this principle, this truth from the text with you today. Freedom is found in the truth of God's word. Freedom is found in the truth of God's word. Let's pray as we get into this message today. Father, thank you for allowing us, Lord, the privilege to gather together today around your word. Your word says that at the entrance of your word, it brings light. It says your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, God. You have not left us in the darkness, but Lord, you are the light that shines unto our path, Lord, that we might know the next step. And so, Father, help us to have ears to hear. Help us to have eyes that see from your perspective. And help us to have hearts that are willing to obey. As we leave this place today, Lord, let us not just come into this moment just to sing a song, attend a service, or to hear a sermon, but Lord, let us leave this place today having heard from heaven, experiencing your presence and your power. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. Recently, I read a study by the Center of from the Center of Bible Engagement. They had surveyed 40,000 people um, about their engagement with the Bible, with the Word of God, and the impact that it is making in their life. And I just want to read to you some of their findings. Their findings was if you engage in the Bible once a week, let's say you come to church, let's say you listen to a podcast, Let's say you read a devotional or open the scripture once a week or maybe you gather together in a group. 
if you engage with the Bible once a week, uh, it has some impact, but its impact fades fast. They found the same truth, the same reality as it is having some impact but limited impact when you open and engage with God's Word twice a week. Same thing with three times a week. But there was a magic number of four times a week. If you pick up your Bible, if you attend a service, if you attend a group, if you listen to a if you pray, if you meditate, if you study God's Word, if you do these things up to four times a week, there was a dramatic impact and life change among those who they surveyed. I'm going to share some of the tangible benefits of engaging with the Bible at least four times a week. Loneliness, they found, drops by 30%. Anger issues decreased by 32%. Bitterness dropped by 40%. Alcoholism dropped by 60% when you get engaged with God's Word. Sex outside of marriage dropped 70%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Viewing pornography also dropped by 60%. And sharing your faith in the positive sense of the impact, sharing your faith increased by 200% as well as discipleship, prayer, worship, witnessing, these kind of things. And so in practicality, we find the great impact that the Word of God has as we engage with it, as we engage in the Bible. Now, there are three groups of people that are here together in this place today or maybe joining us online, listening throughout the week. There's three groups of people. Those that are consistently engaged with the Bible, meaning you pick it up, you engage with it multiple times throughout the week. Those that are inconsistently engaged with the Bible, Maybe you pick it up periodically, once a month, once a week. You attend service sporadically or whatever. And then those that are inexistently engaged with the Bible. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe uh, you've recently given your life to Christ. Or uh, maybe you know that there is this deficit in your life and you haven't picked up God's Word and engaged with it as you know you should. And it has limited impact in your life. And I don't want you to miss this. When we are disengaged with the Scripture, when we allow the Bible to sit on the shelf, uh, when we don't read it, study it, meditate on it, it results in burdens, weights, and chains that hold us captive from living a life of purpose and fulfillment. It helps, it limits our life from being truly free. Walking in freedom, living a life that pleases God and knowing what it is to fully be free and to follow Jesus. But there's a better way for us to live. It's a life of undeniable freedom. And when you consistently engage with the Bible, it will change your life forever. So the question is, now that I've talked about the benefits of engaging with the Bible, we see the practical benefits. We see that God has asked us, he's demanded of us, be diligent to present yourself, approve to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now that we know the impact and the power and the command, the implications, the results of being engaged with the Bible and the scripture and how it benefits our life, I want to talk to you this morning how you can find freedom. Freedom is found, firstly, when you approach God's Word, listen to this, contextually. This is how we can find freedom in the truth of God's Word. We have to approach God's Word contextually. 
What does that mean? Let me take you back to Bible school. Let me take you into the classroom. Circa early 2000s. I'm going to date myself and how old I am. Greenville, South Carolina, Holmes Bible College, wanted to study to become a pastor, and so they want to give you the proper tools so that you can faithfully interpret and communicate the truth of God's Word. How many of you know that that's important? Not just to know what it says, but to understand and apply it faithfully. When you look through the entirety of Scripture, if you take a subject and to be able to understand systematically, fully, what does the Scripture say about this given subject? What does it say uh, about the creation? What does it say about man's nature? What does it say about sin? What does it say about redemption? What does it say about the church? What does it say about our lives and how we can faithfully live as a disciple of Jesus. And so in order to understand the Word of God, you have to approach it contextually. Context is key. Somebody say that with me. Context is key. It's essential. Context helps me understand something that I would not be able to understand without it. Context is the background. It's what's going on in the scripture as you approach it. Context gives us the intended meaning of the text because the text can't mean something to you that it didn't mean to the initial or the original audience that it was addressed to. This is very important. I'm taking you past the expectation right now that you just are reading the word of God. Yes, you must just read the Word of God and know the Word of God, but I want you to go beyond that. I want you to go from beyond knowing what the Word of God says and just merely reading it, but I want you to understand what it says. In order to do that, you're going to have to take the Word of God a little bit more seriously maybe than you have previously. If you're going to faithfully follow Jesus and rightly apply it, the truth of God to your life, you're going to have to study the Word of God and you're going to have to approach it contextually. Because the point of the text is in the context and the power of the text is in the context. We have to find out the context. So what are the questions that you have to ask to determine context? This would be a good time right now to take some notes or to go on your Victory Church app, and you can find some notes there. How do you accurately interpret the text? Well, you have to ask a few questions. Is this helping you out right now? I'm just trying trying to help you. Um, You have to ask this question. Who is writing this text? Secondly, that determines the author. Who are they writing it to? That determines the audience. You have to ask, why are they writing this text? What is their purpose? What is the motive of the person writing this right now, and what are they trying to accomplish? What type of literature is this text? Is it uh, poetry? Is it wisdom? Is it narrative? Is it the Gospels? Is it epistles? Is it apocalypse? And so let's break this down practically. This context is written from a man named John. He was an apostle, a follower of Jesus. It is written to Jews, and it's written to unbelievers as well. And the purpose of this letter, of this gospel of John, is defined in John chapter 20, verse 31. These things are written 
that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that believing in him, you may have life in his name. And you'll find the word belief repeated again and again in this gospel. When was it written? It was written in the late uh, 90 to uh, the year 100 after Christ. Now, the gospels, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke had already been written. And so now John is taking up the responsibility to give an account of the life of Jesus as he remembers it. Now, this gospel is different in some ways than the other Gospels. It points out some new stories and it brings out some new things. It talks about the I am statements of Jesus. Basically, the, 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 the role and the responsibility of John was to write so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you might have life in his name. Okay. But if you don't know the purpose of the text, you'll miss interpret and misapply the text. Do you see that? If you don't know the context, you're going to misinterpret and misapply the text. You've seen this probably before. It's called proof texting. You ever seen somebody before where they'll take a certain passage of the Bible and they'll apply it unilaterally in order to justify, rationalize, and excuse either something that they're doing or something that they want to approve of, right? They'll say, well, the Bible says, you know, judge not lest you be judged. Is that really what the Bible says? Yes, those are the words of Jesus, right? But you have to go further than just knowing the words. You have to understand the context in which those words were shared. You remember this verse. You might love this verse. I love this verse. Tim Tebow put it under his eye patch, not just John 3, 16, Philippians 4, 13, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, what's the context of that passage? The apostle Paul is writing from a Roman prison, and he's talking about his hardships and how, you know, he's out here preaching the gospel and yet he's being persecuted, but yet he still has joy. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That scripture is not just for me to quote as I was growing up. You know, I, I, I love that verse. I would love to refer to that verse because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when I try out for the basketball team, Hey, I'm going to make the team. Come on, somebody, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? God does want to help you. But what if God wants to help you even if you don't make the team? What if he wants to help you to be able to, to, be able to push through and move beyond persecution and trouble and struggle and when things don't go your way and things don't go well. Can you still do all things through Christ who strengthens you? Yes, you can because God has given us that promise. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jeremiah 29 11. You like that one? I do too. And you can apply that to your life and you can miss actually apply it sometimes too. It's more than just a verse that goes on a coffee mug, right? What does it say, right? It says, uh, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, right? Plans to prosper you, give you a future and a hope. Well, if you go back to Jeremiah 28, you find that there was a false prophet writing, and he was saying, everything's going to go well. You'll never go into slavery. Jeremiah steps on the scene in verse, uh, chapter 29, and he says, actually, you're going to be taken as slaves to Babylon, and in the context of what I'm telling you right now is you're going to be there for 70 years. You're going to be a slave, 
But when you go into Babylon, you're going to be prosperous, you're going to succeed, you're going to plant plants, and you're going to build homes, and you're going to do all these things, and, 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 and he's telling them the bad news, but the good news that comes out of it is that, yes, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. You're not going to be here forever, but you are going to have to go through some things to get to where you're going. And so it's not just a scripture that we share for somebody on a, on a card for graduation time, right? <laughs> you have to understand the context. Freedom is found by understanding the context and approaching God's word contextually. Freedom is also found by approaching God's word, this is my second point, humbly. We've talked about humility this morning. Darren did an incredible job talking about humility, but we must approach God's word humbly. The spirit in which you approach God's word will determine what you receive from God's word. As we approach God's word, we humbly come to the conclusion that God's truth is not something that we decide, but it's something that we discover. We can't approach God's word with our wants, with our desires, right? with our uh, own limited understanding, with our preferences and with our opinions, but we have to approach it with humility because sometimes the scriptures will tell us things that we don't want to hear, but it will tell us the things that we need to hear. So you can't just approach it trying to confirm the things that you want it to say. We have to approach it humbly. And I have a preteen, so I know how these kind of things work as well, right? And so just this week, it, this, issue, this situation happened uh, with Ava. She's doing great in school. She's on the AB honor roll. Praise God. She's working hard. She's getting great, great grades. Uh, she's at Greenwood Mill. What's up? Woo, woo. All right. They got a great school over there, great teachers. And uh, she loves it, and she, she does great at school. Um, but she has problems with math. Okay. I knew there had to be somebody in here that had problems with math, right? <laughs> and... Uh, even though she's doing good in school, she's had problems with math. So her teacher sent out uh, this, hey, you might want to get her in tutoring. And tutoring is, you know, on Tuesdays and Thursdays of the week. And it starts at 8 a.m. and it's right before school or whatever. Well, Ange called me and FaceTimed me to tell me that we had gotten this letter from her teacher talking about tutoring. And Ange is sitting there with Ava. I didn't know at the time I was just talking to Ange. And she goes, uh, yeah, she, she, she really needs to take tutoring or whatever. And I hear this, <sighs> Ah, <laughs> what, what, I don't, I don't need to take, I don't need to get tutoring, no, I, I got, I'm, I have a B in the class, and uh, I'm talking to Ava, and, and Ange, I said, well, Ava, here's what you got, you got two options, you can take A, you know, and you take the one class a week, because you're going to tutoring, or you can take two classes, which one would you like, and she says, well, if I had to pick one, I'd choose A. And I said, okay, then good. See, sometimes we need somebody who loves and cares for us to tell us not what we want to hear. Ava didn't want to hear that she would have to be taking tutoring classes. We need somebody to tell us what we need to hear. And as her father, someone who loves her, who wants to see her succeed in life, who wants to see her do better in math, I told her, I will see you at 8 a.m. and we'll be getting ready to leave the house on Tuesday morning, right? Because sometimes you got to tell people that you love not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. In the same way, this is how God interacts with us. He doesn't just tell us what we want to hear. He tells us what we need to hear. But these Pharisees, 
They didn't want to hear it, did they? And because they didn't want to hear it, it resulted in them deceiving themselves. They didn't think they needed a savior. They didn't think they, they were slaves. They didn't think that they needed Christ because their pride had lifted them up beyond a place of seeing what their need was. And the worst bondage is the kind that the prisoner does not recognize. He thinks he is free, but yet he's really a slave. And this is the great lie of our culture, is it not? Determine your own truth. That's my truth, or that's your truth. As if truth was something that could be determined by the individual. Truth is truth, and it's true objectively outside of your opinion, outside of your desire, outside of your approval. Truth is truth, and God's word exists and is true outside of you. It extends beyond you. It reaches over you, and it is never decided by you. It doesn't need me or you to validate it because it's objectively true outside of us. And so... God's truth is not subject to opinion, passion, emotion, or sincere belief. <laughs> if it lines up with the word of God, then it's true. If my opinion lines up with the word of God, then it's true. If my feelings line up with the word of God, then they are true. If my beliefs, even though they are sincere, if they line up with the word of God, they are true. If my passions and desires line up with the word of God, they are true. If they do not, they are a lie. Self-assessment only real, reveals what we think, but scriptural assessment reveals what things really are. And freedom is found in approaching God's word contextually. Freedom is found in approaching God's word humbly. Lastly, and the team would come up here and play, freedom is found by approaching God's word submissively. Submissively. It's kind of linked to humbly, but I want to read verse 37 to you. I know, Jesus is saying, that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. And see, our inability to be free is the effect of our unwillingness to submit to the word of God. Check this out. Knowing the truth of God's word is not synonymous with accomplishing God's word. There is a bridge or a path that gets us from knowing God's word to accomplishing God's word and living in undeniable freedom, and that bridge is called submission. Submission can be defined as two words. Sub is the first word. It means to go under, to get under. The word mission is a specific task in which a person or group is charged. Therefore, in the biblical sense, submission means to get under the mission of God. To get under the mission of God. James chapter 1 verse 22 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You see, it's one thing to be aware of what God wants you to do. It's another thing to submit to it. It's, another thing, it's one thing uh, to, to ask God for direction. It's another thing to follow the Spirit's leading when that direction takes you in an opposite direction of where you want to go. It's one thing to ask God for an answer to your prayer. It's another thing to submit to the answer that he gives. Submission oftentimes is the path, is the path to our freedom. 
And we don't like the word submission because we misunderstand it. We misperceive it. When we think about submission, oftentimes we've got bad memories. We've got memories of maybe a controlling parent or maybe someone, an authority figure, telling us what we can and cannot do. And so we have negative feelings and negative connotation to what submission actually is. But can I tell you the truth this morning? That there is strength in submission. There is strength in submitting to God and God's word. Submission is the way of Christ. And for the Christian, it's the only way to live. For some, this word may be synonymous with words like weak or spineless or soft. But if you're going to approach God and God's word, you have to approach it submissively. If there was a guy, let me give you an example. If there was a guy who came into the foyer today, let's call him Bill. And Bill came in and he said, well, pastor, uh, I just need to inspect the building. I'd be like, hey, Bill, uh, yeah, nice to meet you. Um, can you come and sit? We're having service here. Can you come and sit with us and serve? It's going to be a great time. God bless you. Ushers, keep an eye on this guy, Bill. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know who this guy is, right? But what if Bill came in to this facility and Bill was wearing a police uniform and a police badge? And Bill said, Pastor Keith, I've got to inspect this building and see what's going on. How many of you know that the conversation has now changed? And the conversation changed not because of the way that Bill looked, per se, or it didn't change because of what he said. It didn't change because of the questions he asked. The conversation changed because of the authority that he carried. More specifically, the authority that he was submitted to. Because there's nothing special about Bill, per se, but there's something significant in who he is submitted to, the police department. And the authority that he carries, he carries because he is submitted to the police department. I tell you that to say this. The same thing is true as a follower of Jesus, right? If you are submitted under the authority of God and God's word, it doesn't make you weak, soft, or spineless, but it actually makes you strong. You actually carry authority. You have a greater authority and a power when you submit to Christ than you would if you were outside of being submitted to Christ. And so as a follower of Jesus, you're stronger when you're submitted. Freedom is found by approaching God's word submissively. So today... I got a question for you. Are you living in this spiritual realm of undeniable freedom? Or are there, there are some things that you're carrying, that you're holding on to, that you're not letting go, that you can't seem to get free from today? Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth The search for freedom begins by discovering the truth of God's word. So if you want to be free, not just positionally, in Christ, if your sins are forgiven, you are free. You are free. But yet we still allow things in this world to keep us 
in bondage, in chains, weighted down with burdens and barriers, things that limit us. But Jesus said, I've come to set you free. But if you remain in my word, if you stay faithful to my word, if you hold to my teaching, then you will know the truth and the truth will lead you into a path, into a place of undeniable freedom. So the question is not, the question is not, are you free? The question is, will you be free? And will you be free by committing yourself to the word of God that sets you free? We come into this year in 2024, man. I'm going to tell you, it's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. I'm just trying to tell you right now. And there are going to be people that have no concern for the truth. There are going to be people who claim that they are telling the truth. There are going to be people that claim that they're speaking on behalf of God in your workplace, come on, behind podiums and in places of authority. How are you going to know what's true? How are you going to live what's true? How are you going to be in a place of undeniable freedom? How are you going to have the power to think, to speak and act in freedom if you don't know the truth? If you're moved by every opinion and you just, yeah, I, I think, I'm not sure. In this year, you're going to have to find out what you believe and why you believe it. Enough of the games and the just going to church and going through the motions and being lackadaisical and being casual and being complacent. Those days are over. God is calling you to live in the spiritual realm of undeniable freedom. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to do what it takes to come into this freedom? It's available, but it's not inevitable. It's optional. You choose. So that's why God says all throughout the scripture, prophecy is, when I'm up here saying this is going to be the year of undeniable freedom, I believe it is. It's going to be a year of undeniable freedom for those who receive it. For those who are willing to live by its principles. What did Jesus say? He said to those Jewish believers, if you remain in my word, right? Then you are my disciples indeed. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So it's on you. It's up to you. I'm walking in freedom this year. Who's with me? I'm not getting left behind. I'm not getting left behind this year. If you want to live in freedom this year, stand up on your feet all over this place. I believe freedom can take place in a moment. A commitment is special and is sacred even in a moment. And I believe this is one of those moments. But freedom is even more than that. Freedom is a commitment to walk through the process. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's a continuous daily devotion to live in freedom. How does that look? Man, you better make time to open up the word of God. You better make time to study it. You better make time to prioritize it and meditate on it, which means you're going to have to put down social media, which means you're going to have to reprioritize your plans and the things that are going on. Maybe put down the TV remote. You're going to have to make time for what's most important or you're going to still live in the same bondage that you came into the year with. Can I just tell you, tell it to you like it is? 
I'm going to try to tell you what, what you need to hear. And in this world, and like I said, in this culture, in this political environment of this coming year, you better find out what you believe and why you believe it. Or be led astray and be left behind. Because God is looking for those that will stand for the truth and that will speak the truth. That will live according to the truth of God's word. Unashamedly, unapologetically, <laughs> I don't make a word, unannoyingly, right? Because there's a way to go about living this life. We'll talk about that, right? But that, that, first, that first step, that starting point is confession. If you're, li- if you're in this moment, in this place, in this time right now, and you have not given your life to Jesus, there is no freedom for you. Why? Because Jesus said, whoever sins is a slave to sin. You can't set yourself free. You need the only one that can set you free. Jesus, the one who liberates us. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom that he set us free. Jesus picked up the scroll in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. And in his first sermon, he went to the town of Nazareth in his own hometown. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, to set free the captive and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the time. This is the place. Now is the moment for you to be free. And the only one that can set you free from the penalty of your sin and the power of your sin is Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Your goodness, your giving, your lineage, like these these people that were Jews, that were Pharisees, they thought they were free, but they were actually slaves. Maybe you think you're free. You don't have addictions. You don't have the things that people struggle with. Life is good for you. You've got food on the table. You got a great job. You got a wonderful house. Jesus didn't say that those who have their act together and seemingly everything is good on the outside are free from their sin. He said, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. And it doesn't matter if you're a crack addict or if you are working for a Fortune 500 company. If you are outside of Christ, you are a slave to sin. That's the reality. But the good news is that God has come to set you free. He loves you so much that he wouldn't leave you in slavery, but he's come to proclaim even this day that there is good news for those that are captives. His offer, his invitation to you today, if you'll receive it, is be free. Be free. His offer, his invitation to the rest of you that are free, live in freedom. Live in this spiritual truth, this spiritual reality of freedom. Don't let anything weigh you down, hold you down, keep you down, keep you stuck, keep you stagnant, keep you from living this life of undeniable freedom in which you are satisfied, in which you are free, in which you know that you know that nothing is holding you and nothing is keeping you down. So this morning, let's just pray. Father, thank you for this morning and for the truth that sets us free. Lord, it's not my words, it's not the opinions, 
of a man, but it's the truth that sets us free. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And if the Son sets us free, we are free indeed. Lord, to each and every person, Lord, that's in this room or maybe listening today, Lord, your appeal to them is to be free. You created them to be free. You didn't create them to be depressed, to be discouraged, to be full of fear and of doubt, anxiety and worry and addiction and the bondage of people's opinions and trying to live for this and live for that and uh, the, 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 the trappings of this world. You didn't, you didn't create them to live in bondage, but you created them to live free. And that if they would receive you, they would be free and free indeed. So Lord, this morning, all across this room, if there are those that are slaves to sin, those that are in bondage to their own sin, the penalty and the power of their sin, they can't get free. They've never made a decision for Jesus. Now is the moment. Today is the day of salvation. I appeal to you by the spirit of the Lord as the Lord is beckoning you, calling you that sense you feel that you need to get right with God. That is God speaking to you because of his grace and mercy, because he loves you. Be free today. Receive that invitation and say yes to Jesus and he'll set you free. He'll give you eternal life and it will give you a new beginning. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. Today is the day. Now is the moment. Receive the freedom that Christ came to bring. And so, Lord, all over this room right now, we just want to pray this prayer as a commitment to you. I want you all to repeat this after me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. But I believe that you are the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Right now, I repent. I turn away from my old life. I receive your invitation of forgiveness and of freedom and of a full life. And right now, I welcome you into my heart. I want to make you my leader, the Lord of my life, and my Savior. I give my all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, right? If you made that commitment in your heart, the word of God says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And now for the rest of you, I just want to pray God's blessing and pray a commitment for those of you that you know that God is speaking to you through this message. And you know that some things that are holding on to you, that have a grip on you, that God wants to set you free from. And we have people here that are willing and wanting to pray for you today. And if you need to be set free, I wouldn't waste any time. I'd make my way to the front. But let's just pray right now and ask for God to grip our hearts, grab a hold of our hearts, that we would no longer be slaves, that we would no longer be limited, that we would no longer be bound, that everything that holds on to us that is not of God, that would release us right now in Jesus' name as we pray this prayer of commitment. You don't have to repeat after me. I just want to pray it over you. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you, Lord, that you've come to proclaim liberty to the captives 
So, Father, help us, Lord, to take this message today and not just be hearers of your word, not just know what it says, but, Lord, let us be doers. Give us the confidence. Give us the courage to step outside of our comfort zone, to step outside of our bondage, to step outside of of our strength, of our self, uh, our understanding of our own strength, Lord, of our own ability to pull ourselves up. Lord, we cannot do it by ourselves. Lord, reveal to us that we can only be free because Christ has set us free. And so, Father, I'm asking, Lord, right now that you would break the chains, that you would free every captive. Lord, that there would be commitments right now, Lord, to you um, to live a life that honors you and that pleases you. Father, I pray that there would be conviction, great conviction upon all your people right now, Lord, that are making decisions, that they would pick up your word every day, that they would commit themselves not to go through the motions, Lord, but they would be more committed than ever before to live for you with all their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength. And Lord, I bless them. And I declare who the Son is set free is free indeed. Somebody say freedom. 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 In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.